Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Getting to a million dollars in business did not happen by accident. This happened because I just kept consistently taking action. And if you are so caught up in oh my God, is this going to be the thing? Is this going to work? What if it doesn't? You're never going to take action. And when I started my journey into entrepreneurship, I was just like, I know what I don't want. And that was enough for me to be like, I'm going to figure this shit out by any means necessary. I'm like, I know I don't want a fucking corporate job. I know I don't want an annoying ass boss. I know this two weeks of PTO is ghetto. I know this is not the life that I want. And I know that there's this other option. So now that I know that there's another option, I'm going to figure this shit out, period. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business. So you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, 
and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Hola, mi gente. Going live tonight to talk a little bit more about this incredible milestone that I hit as an entrepreneur. So I wanted to come on here and basically make myself available for questions because I know that the journey to entrepreneurship is very lonely. It can feel like it's a lot of floundering, trying to figure out what you're doing. And so I want to have this Q&A session where you guys can literally ask about my journey, about entrepreneurship, side hustles, all the things. Thank you so much for being here, guys. So this was impromptu. I was actually supposed to go live yesterday, but just got caught up in, you know, closing out my launch and all that stuff. So I'm like, let me go live today and let's do a fun Q&A. So I am going to start putting my Q&As as podcast episodes. So in, you know, in case you ever miss a portion of a live, don't worry, because that's what we're doing. We are repurposing content and using this opportunity to answer questions live. And then we'll post this as podcast episodes, because why not? You should be doing multiple things as a content creator. So record an IG live, make a podcast episode, make it a blog post, do all the things. Okay. So are you into real estate investing? So I tried real estate investing in 2016. I thought that, you know, the path to building wealth was all about buying real estate and being a landlord. And so I bought my first and only property. It was a duplex and I was going to live in the bottom and rent the top, but the whole experience for me was trash. I hated sharing a house with someone because, you know, as a kid, my parents bought their first home when I was 12. And so you know, for my adolescence, I had my own room. I had, we lived in a single family house, so I wasn't used to like sharing walls. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like an adult living in this house, feeling like I have roommates again, because you could literally hear like whenever they were having a discussion in the living room, the living rooms were like above and below. So I would be hearing their whole conversation. I'm assuming they would be hearing my whole conversation. It was just very weird. Like it just felt like I couldn't actually live the way that I wanted to. Like if I wanted to play music loudly, I couldn't do that because got tenants upstairs. And so for me, the whole house hacking thing, I was like, this is trash. Like I don't want to have to rely on somebody else to pay my bills because that's, you know, the whole, the whole sexiness of house hacking is like, oh, well you get roommates or you can have duplex or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, fuck that. I'm 30 something year old adult. Like I don't want to feel like I'm a prisoner in my own home for the sake of money. So I'm not into real estate investing. I think it requires way too much capital. And for me, I'm like, I don't like owing people money. I'm not into debt. I'm not into leverage. You know, some people are like all about, yeah, just use other people's money to make money. I'm like, that's for you. That's not for me. I can't have the anxiety of having like multiple mortgages and all that shit. That shit stresses me out. So 
not into it. That's not to say that, you know, if real estate investing is for you, go for it, but not my cup of tea. I would much rather focus my energy on entrepreneurship and I don't have to negotiate with anyone about my bills getting paid. The amount of marketing on social media is exhausting. Any recommendations and low cost marketing. So I am a firm believer that before you outsource anything as an entrepreneur, you have to learn how to do it yourself. And organic marketing is a skill set that you must learn if you want to be a successful business owner. Why? Well, think about it. If you don't know what your messaging is, if you don't know who your client is, if you don't know why people follow you, what they need from you, how can you possibly outsource social media content to someone? Like, what are you going to tell them to post? If you don't know who your client is, how the hell is your social media manager going to know who your ideal client is? If you don't know how to market your product, how the hell are you going to hire somebody else to market your product? Does that make sense? So I feel like, yes, social media is exhausting, but it's also part of the process. It's a part of learning marketing skills. And unless you go to school for marketing, you're not going to learn that shit except by actually doing. Social media is exhausting and it's going to take a lot of your hours, but social media can be a very powerful tool for growing your business, but you have to be strategic. You can't just be out here learning TikTok dances and doing bullshit and think that that's what's going to be what sells your product to people. What actually is, in my opinion, good marketing is teaching people stuff, keeping them informed, motivating them, and entertaining them. So I use the acronym TIME. Teach, inform, motivate, entertain. If you follow those four pillars with all the content that you create, that's winning content. Nobody cares about your ability to fucking dance. Okay. Or, or point to things on a timing, like be teaching people something The a business owner, a successful business will solve a problem. So your social media should be solving problems for your people. And then once you get to a point where like, you know, your energy is better used on stuff and you actually know your messaging, you know what to tell somebody what to do in order to market your business, then yeah, you can hire a social media manager. You can go ahead and, you know, outsource those types of things, but you can't do it in the beginning. I'm sorry to tell you. Facebook ads are not going to solve your problem because you don't even know what your ads should be saying in order for people to buy your shit. This is why you need to do organic marketing first. You should be able to clearly and concisely summarize why people should frequent your business, why people should give you money. What transformation are you providing? Who are you helping? How are you helping them? You got to know all that shit. <laughs> okay, sorry. But yeah, as far as like hiring for social media, there's so many different options you can do. Like my first social media hire was someone out of college who had just graduated in like marketing, right? And so they were doing that. It's their first job. So you can be more flexible with, you know, you, I like people who are new out of school for initial hires because you can basically train them to do whatever. Like they're not, you know, somebody who's been in the game for 20 years and then you're trying to like teach an old dog new tricks. So I like using, you know, fresh out of school people. Now my social media manager is my sister because she's studying graphic design and she's just very attentive to detail. So I tell her what I need done and she gets it done. Teach, inform, entertain. What is the T in time? Okay. So it's teach, inform, motivate, entertain. That's time. So if you're spending your time wisely on social, that's what you're doing. You're teaching, informing, motivating, entertaining. Boom. That's the key. That's the plug. Advice on prioritizing when you start blogging. 
So I would advise you to prioritize on figuring out your niche because that is going to guide your content creation. So figure out your niche, the rest will come from there. So what's a good place to start? Resource not to be intimidated by the legal setup and reporting of running a business. Does your course cover this? So my course covers trademarks, business entities, all that stuff. Yes, my ultimate side hustle course has a whole module on you know business entities and trademarking and like the legal stuff. But I would start with your state's small business association website. So every state is gonna have a department of small business or something to that effect. It could be like the secretary of state for Florida. It's sunbiz.org. Like that's the website and find out like what you have to do. How much is your LLC fee going to be? Do you need a business license? Do you need to collect sales tax? Those people work for you. Your taxpayer funded small business resources should be your first place to go because that shit is free. I mean, it's not free, but you know, your taxes are paying for it. So go and ask them all the questions. Go and get on the phone, ask them, hey, I have this business idea. I wanna know what paperwork do I need to file? With regards to an LLC, you can actually do that yourself. You can do it with a CPA or you can do it with a business attorney. So, you know, you're starting a business. You don't even need to be thinking about LLCs and shit, okay? I know like everybody's like S Corp, LLC, da da da. Why are you thinking about that shit before you've even made money? Prove out the idea. Be a sole proprietor and do that until it doesn't make sense anymore. And when it stops making sense is somewhere around, you're making like thirty to $40,000 of revenue in a single year. Once you hit that point, might make sense to start a business entity like an LLC. But before that, like y'all are out here spending money on LLCs thinking that that's the business. And it's like, no, the business is the shit that makes money. Make the money first. That's my two cents. Like, why are you going to get an LLC if you haven't even made a dollar? So how long were you a one woman business doing everything on your own? So as a blogger, I didn't actually hire any type of help for the first five years. I would do like one-off things here and there on Fiverr. Like if I was having a technical issue with my website and I was like, just not equipped with the skill set to fix it, I would go on Fiverr, pay somebody like 50 bucks and they would fix it and that's it. I've never hired someone for my blog on a long-term basis. I had a videographer that I would work with to make like videos here and there, but for the most part, I was doing everything myself. And that's honestly just because I am very type A. So like, if I'm going to hire you to work for me, like you better be on point. <laughs> I have control issues, y'all. I'm still working through those. It was about like seven years until I was working with someone like on a consistent basis. So what made you go from Delish Delights to a finance podcast? Oh, I love this question. Essentially, what happens when you discover this whole other world known as entrepreneurship, at least for me, it became like an obsession. Like I'm like, I need to learn all the things about money because nobody taught me anything. Nobody taught me how to start a business. Nobody taught me how to invest. And I found out then, you know, also about the financial independence movement. And I'm like, why is there so much shit that I don't know about money? Like, I'm very confused. Nobody told me that I could work for myself. Nobody told me that building wealth was not just about buying houses. Nobody told me that you could retire early by investing in the stock market and using entrepreneurship and side hustles. So that for me was like the entrepreneurship journey was the thing that opened up my mind to the power of money. And so I like became obsessed and I'm obviously still obsessed. In 2016, I started listening to podcasts. And I was like, 
holy shit, I found an entire fucking world of information out here that like nobody was talking about. My friends were not talking about, my family was not talking about, like nobody in my community, which is majority Latino, was talking about this shit. And I'm like, how is it that we don't know this? Like, how is it that we don't know that we can invest our way out of corporate America? How is that that we don't know that entrepreneurship can give you an unlimited supply of money? And so that is what inspired me to start the podcast. I was like, why is everybody out here, aka white people, having conversations about money and we're not? Because money is affecting all of us and our lack of understanding of money is affecting all of us. And it's making us live lives that are not fully expressed. And so that's what inspired me to start the Personal Finance Podcast. You know, after three years of entrepreneurship, I started listening to podcasts and six years into my journey, I was like, this is the new thing. Like, I feel like, you know, the blog was established. I was happy with where it was. I was ready for a new challenge. And I'm like, this is the new problem that I found and I need to do something about it. So that's how I started my podcast. 2019. And here we are all these years later. My God, it's crazy. Getting to a million dollars in business did not happen by accident. This happened because I just kept consistently taking action. And if you are so caught up in, oh my God, is this going to be the thing? Is this going to work? What if it doesn't? You're never going to take action. And when I started my journey into entrepreneurship, I was just like, I know what I don't want. And that was enough for me to be like, I'm going to figure this shit out by any means necessary. I'm like, I know I don't want a fucking corporate job. I know I don't want an annoying ass boss. I know this two weeks of PTO is ghetto. I know this is not the life that I want. And I know that there's this other option. So now that I know that there's another option, I'm going to figure this shit out. Period. Your clarity will come from taking action. Literally. If you want to start a business, you know how you actually like can get to a place where it's successful, you have to start the business, right? You can't be out here dreaming and hoping and praying and wishing and looking at people on Instagram like, oh my God, I wish that life was mine. Why can't it be? Nobody is more special than anybody else. There are just some people who decide, I'm not gonna settle for this bullshit. I'm not gonna accept this fucking mediocrity. I'm not gonna accept that the way that things have been done in the past is the way that I have to do them. And that's it. Like you have to commit to by any means necessary. Do the work, y'all. Do the work. Be committed to just figuring shit out. Okay. Advice on balancing a niche and your genuine interest in a topic. I mean, you must have massive interest in the topic that you are blogging about because you're going to be doing this shit for years. So don't be thinking that like, I'm just going to go and talk about this niche that I don't care about just to make money. That's a terrible strategy. That's the equivalent of saying, I'm going to get this degree because somebody told me I'm going to make a lot of money. I don't really like it. I don't really care about this, but I'm just going to do it for money. That's the worst fucking thing you can do. And trust me from someone who didn't get one, but two degrees to confirm that the field that I was in was not it. And that went as far as getting the six figure job, thinking that the money was going to replace the fact that I hated my career didn't work out for me. I spent a lot of money and a lot of time trying to justify the fact that maybe I could love this thing. No, you will know when you have found your purpose because you literally like jump out of bed every day to do it. You are excited. You wake up fucking inspired and you would do it for free because you will do it for free initially. I was talking about this today on the podcast recording that Tori from her first 100K and I 
both of us, Tori and I did not make any money for two years when we started our businesses. And I didn't know that about her. So we were catching up. It was the first time that we were connecting and we we're talking about our journey to entrepreneurship. And she's like, yeah, I didn't make any money for two years. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was like, oh my God, me too. And that's what we need to normalize. You're not going to know what the fuck you're doing. All of the amazing business coaches and entrepreneurs and people that you see out here killing it have had plenty of fucking flops and plenty of time just figuring shit out. Like what's going to be the thing that I'm going to do? And the difference is that we fight through the failures. We don't let the failures be the end of things. So you must, you must find the thing that you are passionate about if you're going to do anything with entrepreneurship, because this shit is lonely. It's hard. You're not going to get it right the first time. It's going to take time. You're going to take a lot of L's, but you got to be committed to fucking figuring it out. That's it. You got to be committed. People don't realize how important it is as an entrepreneur to be in the right mindset. Say it again. Mindset will fuck you up every single time. And y'all, I promise you, like this shit never gets easier. Every time I launch, I'm convinced nobody's going to buy this shit. This is going to be the one that flops. This is good. This is it. My success is done. And every single time at the end of it, I'm like laughing at myself. I'm like, you dumb bitch. You are so, so pessimistic. Why? And the truth of the matter is that you will always be doubting yourself. But the difference is that you will still show up even when you're fucking scared. The entrepreneurs that you admire show up even though they're not sure if shit's going to work. They show up even though they don't know what the outcome is going to be. They show up because they would rather live with the, the lesson that's learned by the failure versus living with the regret of never starting. So hell yeah, mindset work is the most important work you must do as an entrepreneur. And please get yourself a therapist because entrepreneurship will make you confront every single limiting belief that you've ever fucking had. That imposter syndrome is going to be all up in your face, all up in your grill. You're going to be like, I know you can't do this shit. You can't do it. I promise you, you can't do it. She's going to be all up in your grill all day, every day, telling you, you can't do this shit. Who do you think you are? Who told you you could be a business owner? Nobody's done this before. Why the fuck do you think you can? All day. Me and that bitch, they having conversations. And I'm just like, can you shut up already? Can you shut up? I'm sick of you. I'm so sick of her. <laughs> I mean, you know, the key to starting a business is three things, right? You got to have your offer, you got to have your way to get paid for it, and you got to have your marketing. So what are you going to sell? How are you going to get paid for it? And how are you going to tell people about it? Like, that's the only thing you should be spending money on in the first year of business. Not the LLC, not the freaking Facebook ads, like none of that shit. What are you selling? How are you getting paid? How are you telling people about it? It's not that hard. And both businesses that I started, both my food blog and my personal finance brand started with less than $100, literally. My blog started with less than $100. My podcast, you know how I started that shit? With a pair of Apple earbuds with the cord. I was recording it on my phone, sitting in my closet so that the clothes would be an insulation to all the echo. That's how this podcast started. Me sitting on the floor in my closet, talking to my phone. And as time goes on, as you start making money, as things improve, you start upgrading. You get the new equipment, you get the new laptop, you get the new mic, blah, blah, blah. But like prove your shit out first. Prove your shit out first. Bare bones. Basic. The ramen noodle business plan. <laughs> What's the bare minimum you need to start? 
go start a Gmail account. Go create a free social media platform. Like you don't need to spend money to start making money. But to scale, that's when you need to start spending some money, right? Spending on systems, spending on processes, spending on money-making activities. Any resources for mindset work that you like? I mean, listen to the podcast. We've been talking about mindset on every podcast. Like if you're not listening to my podcast, what are you even doing with your life? We gave so much free game on that shit. There's so much free game on that podcast. Like you could start a million dollar business just by listening to the podcast. So that's the work you need to do. Go back to episode one and listen to all 100 and whatever fucking podcast episodes there are because there's a million. What kind of advice would you give to someone who has tried but then discouraged with low exposure? I would say you probably haven't given yourself enough time to pan things out, okay? The reality of it is, is that it takes months to grow community. Like, y'all, I started Yo Quiero Dinero Instagram in April 2019. And January 2020, when I really started to like recommit to it, I think I had like 100 followers. And by the end of that year, I believe I had like 25,000 followers. And that was because I was showing up every fucking day, all day, every day, in the stories, in the posts, because we didn't have reels back then. Like building community takes fucking time. And especially with all these algorithm games. But if you're not in it for at least like a year and you can honestly look in the mirror and say, I fucking tried everything, I think you might be quitting too early. Honestly, that's the reality. We quit too early. Like you think like three months and like, oh my God, nobody's following me. Are you really doing the work? Are you really creating value? Are you creating value? How? How are you telling people about your business? What are you doing to market yourself? What kind of content are you creating? Do you have email marketing? Do you have any solid plan for growth? Or are you just trying to slap shit on the wall and like hope that something sticks? Have you hired a business coach? Have you gotten any advice? If not, you haven't really done the work that's required. I have business coaches. I've invested in professional services when I know that I'm out of my league. I've hired copywriters. I've hired people to build my email marketing funnels. I've hired people to help me bridge the gap. But you have to let the ego go at some point and say, you know what? I'm not equipped anymore to do this shit alone. I need some help. And be humble enough to invest in the support that you need to grow. That's it. Like, it's like the difference between trying to go to the gym and create your own fitness regimen versus working with somebody who's been a fucking bodybuilder. Like, why wouldn't you just say, I want to get there faster. I would need to hire a coach. That would be my suggestion. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, 
wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. I've been listening to all your podcasts and I'm ready to invest, but have you talked about how to cash out from your cash from your investments? That's what I'm confused about. When it comes to like cashing out your investments, you just sell them. But depending on the account that you have, you might have to pay some penalties, right? So if you want to sell and take money out of your traditional IRA, you're going to pay penalties on that because it is a retirement account. So you're not supposed to access it before age 59 and a half. And B, you will also be taxed a based on the amount of profit that you are getting from the withdrawal. So from a brokerage account, if you want to withdraw money from your brokerage, you just have to sell whatever your investment is. It really depends. Like the same way that you, how to start investing and buying stuff, learning about how to actually withdraw your money is part of the whole process. So I actually like sold some stocks to take a vacation. So it's very simple. You just literally execute a sale, a sale order, and then that's it. Like you take the money and then you get a form at the end of the year that you report any profits that you had from your stock investments and you pay taxes on it. Would you recommend doing a blog or podcast first? Well, that depends. Do you like talking on a mic? I started with blogging because the thought of being on camera and talking on microphone scared the shit out of me. So it really depends. Are you like hella, hella introverted and you don't even want to like speak? That's what a blog is for. But if you're okay with like actually people hearing the sound of your voice, I hated the sound of my voice for a long time, which is wild to me. Like I was always just like, who the fuck wants to listen to my voice? My squeaky Fran Drescher, the nanny voice. It's horrible, but I'm like, you know what? I'll get over it. Out of my food and my personal finance business, which one is your bigger moneymaker? Mm, good question. So in 2020, my food blog was bigger than my podcast, but 2021 and 2022, my podcast is bigger than my food blog. And the main reason for that is because with the food blog, I don't actually blog anymore. I just maintain the website. And so all of the income that I get from my food blog, which is around like 100K a year, you know, give or take 10 or $20,000 is passive. So it's pretty consistent. Whereas with a personal finance business, you know, every time I do a launch or I do like a speaking engagement or I do brand partnerships, like that money can fluctuate a lot. So at this point, my personal finance business is about 75% of my total revenue comes from my personal finance brand. And then 25% comes from the food blog. Any advice for entrepreneurs that are starting this journey to entrepreneurship, financial independence? Start now. Don't go off to college just because everybody's telling you. Find out what you actually want to do. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. It's like, oh, well, everybody's telling me to go to college. But, you know, you're going to enter in as undecided. You have no fucking idea what you want to study. You have no idea what you want to do with your life. At 18 years old, 
I don't think most of us knew anything about what, what we wanted to do in life, right? I know I sure as fuck did not. And I think we encourage kids too young to get into way too much debt before actually knowing what you want to do. I would say, first off, try a lot of shit, start businesses, you know, with now with the internet, you can do so many things online, part-time and with financial independence, like, yo, start investing as soon as you turn 18, like, please start investing as soon as you turn 18. And you know what I think is also really important to tell young people, you're allowed to evolve. You are allowed to change your fucking mind about a career, about a relationship, about where you live, about your stance on, you know, children, no children, married, not married, entrepreneur, corporate America, fucking digital nomad or stay-at-home wife. Like, you should be, you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want whenever you want. Like, this whole shit level, like, if you don't got it figured out by the time you're 30, something wrong with you. What? I'm sorry, but your 20s are the years for you to explore and try shit out and not commit to anything. Fucking try all the things. Do all the things. If the first career that you decided to pursue is trash, yo, once you're confirmed that for yourself, like, don't be trying to justify these sunken costs. Don't be trying to, oh, but I got a degree. I got to make it work. No, the fuck you don't. You have permission to change your fucking mind. Like, you are not a tree. You are not planted here in, in the earth. You know, you have the ability to move around and do new shit and say, you know what? I thought this was for me, but it's not no more. I'm turning 50 this year. Too late to start a blog. I want to, but I wonder if it's too late for me. First of all, it's never too late for anybody. That's a defeatist mentality. And we do not do that here. You have permission to restart your life, start a business in your 50s, do whatever the fuck you want. Okay, please. We do not have energy for thinking that it's too late for us. Too late for who? Who the hell said that? Like, if you don't have a business by the time you're 30, that you can't start a business. Susie Orman didn't even start becoming famous until like she was almost 50 years old. Susie Orman in her 30s was working in a fucking, what is a diner as a waitress. So too old for who? Please go and listen to my recent episode with Sandra from Nopalera. Starting her business in her 40s with a teenage child, single mom, New York City, like about to have a million dollar business. Who the fuck said it's too late? Stop it. Do you think you'll have courses about investing in stocks, understanding IRA? So that's a great segue into an announcement. If you go in my link in bio, you will see that I am hosting my first investing workshop in a very long time. So if you want to hop into a live 90 minute workshop where I'm going to be teaching all things investing, like A to Z, go get your ticket. Link is live. I haven't even like formally announced it to anybody yet, but it's up there. So if you already know you need an investing course, it's not a course, it's a workshop, but yes, go and sign up. How do you manage both blog sites? So my food blog, it pretty much runs on autopilot. So I don't really have to do anything other than, you know, just go in there once in a while, like update a blog post, like maybe with some new pictures or just with different format structure. But my Yo Quiero Dinero blog is managed by my social media manager slash, you know, digital marketing guru, aka my sister. And I actually work with a company that writes our blog posts. So I'm not writing them anymore. So yes, you can actually hire people to write your blog posts so that you can go and do some other shit. What has been your biggest splurge Latina millionaire? <laughs> You're so cute. So my biggest splurge up until this point has been taking my mom to Paris, which we did in April and we flew first class and stayed at like five star hotels and did the whole thing. I took her shopping to Louis Vuitton 
It was fucking epic. So that's been my biggest splurge so far. I want to encourage y'all, when you see folks online that inspire you, that are making the type of money you want to make, that have the type of business that you want to get, understand that their journey, you've missed a big part of it, okay? You've missed the struggle days. You catching them in the glow up. And so I want you to remember that before the glow up is all the bullshit. It's all the struggle. It's all the tears and the mistakes and the doubt and the bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So don't let it get to you. Like use it as fuel to be like, you know what? If she could do it, I could do that shit too. Don't be like, well, why her and not me? That's toxic. Can I talk about why I choose to rent versus own? Love this question. Let's get into it. Okay. So I am a former homeowner. I owned a home from 2016 to 2019. And then that was it. That was my first and only. And a couple things I realized about myself. I get bored with everything. So I get bored where I live. I get bored with my job. I get bored with everything. So I'm like, how the fuck am I going to commit to living in this house for 30 years? That's number one. Like this idea of 30 year mortgage. I'm just like, this is a lot. This is a lot of commitment for me. Number two. I moved to Florida in 2018 and at that point I was still paying off debt, still figuring out my life. By the time I became debt-free in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, so I'm like, well, this is not the time to buy because I just got out of debt. So like, how am I going to get out of debt and then go get back into debt for a mortgage? doesn't make sense. It's honestly also me trying to figure out like, where do I want to live? I don't know if I want to live in Florida like permanently. I toy back and forth between like being a digital nomad at some point. I toy with the idea of moving to Puerto Rico. I'm just very indecisive when it comes to where I live. And I just rather be like, you know what? I enjoy the flexibility of renting. This whole narrative that like, oh, it's a waste of money. I'm like, my rent is not a waste of money. It's a roof over my head. I have a four bedroom, two and a half bathroom house that I rent with a big ass backyard and a fenced in backyard for my dogs. I have a fucking inflatable hot tub. I have everything that I need in this rental. So I'm like, why do I need to go and like fork over $75,000, $100,000 for a house? For what? And then I got to be dealing with like shit breaking. And I live in hurricane land. What if my fucking house blows away? If my rental home blows away, that's not my problem. I have renter's insurance. You know, I can insure the things that I own, but I don't have to worry about like building a new fucking house. So there's just too much. You know, there's so much shit to worry about when it comes to being a, a homeowner and honestly, I spent so much money in those three years that I owned the house. I'm like, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is bullshit. Okay. Okay. I can't. When I do buy a home, it's going to be oceanfront property. That's what I've told myself. I'm like, I am going to buy oceanfront property because if I'm going to own anything, I want a view of the fucking ocean. How do you maintain your privacy online? Your face and business is on the web and some people on the internet are wild. I own a firearm. I am a proud gun owner, so don't try anything because Florida, it's very easy to own firearms here in Florida. So that's why I, that's how I maintain my, my safety and security by having a registered firearm. No, but seriously, like the thing with Florida that is annoying is that if you are a registered voter, like your public records, you know, where you live could be public, which is kind of fucking scary. That's also why I like renting too, because those databases take a while to get updated. So I'm like, I'm always hopping around so that people can't find me. Have you thought about buying a property in cash? Absolutely. So that would be my goal, honestly. I want to buy my property in cash because I don't even want to deal with a mortgage. So how's the housing market in Florida? I heard if you buy, it's hard to sell later and that it sits on the market for long. No, (laughs) 
Florida has the hottest fucking uh, housing market in the Southeast. Like housing prices have risen by like 40% in a year. Houses are not even the market for like, well, you know, obviously now things are kind of changing with the interest rates going up and whatnot. But during the pandemic, like if a house was in the market for a week, that was a long time. Most houses were being bought in cash within 48 hours. A lot of investment companies came out here and purchased a shit ton of real estate that now they're using as rentals. A lot of native Floridians are being priced out of the market. There's a whole lot of construction going on out here of luxury high rises. Rents have gone up by 40%. This market is insane. Like I think about how it, it was chill, you know, in 2018 when I moved out here. I was renting a three-bedroom, two-bathroom townhouse, $1,600 a month. That same townhouse now will run you like $2,100, $2,200. And it's like less than five years later, which is crazy. But I also have the perspective of knowing, yeah, there's a lot of people from New York and California that came out here. A lot more homeless. Hell yeah. There are so many more homeless people that are just out here that I did not see four years ago when I moved out here. It's fucking terrible. But you know, when I when I think about the perspective of my mortgage in New Jersey for a duplex, I had a home that was two floors, two bedrooms, one bath in each unit. And my mortgage was about $3,200 a month. And, you know, obviously I was splitting that with the tenant. In order to rent a house, like the one that I rent here now, that's four bedrooms, two and a half baths. In New Jersey, I would probably be paying like $4,500 a month, maybe $4,000. Here I'm paying $2,900. So just the amount of space that I get is bigger for the amount of money that I spend, even still. And obviously being high income in Florida, I think is a must because the social support networks here are fucking trash. So this is the worst place in the country to be unemployed. Unemployment max is $275 a week for 12 weeks max. So you do not want to be low income in Florida. You will be living in straight up poverty and the government don't give two shits. Absolutely not. This is a place for entrepreneurs, self-employed people, high-income investors that don't want to pay state income tax. But this is not a place for you to be living and working a minimum wage job. You know, everybody's like, oh no, Florida's a great place to retire. It's low cost. No. Maybe it was at some point. This is not a good place to retire at this point, unless you want to go live in the fucking boondocks. It has changed completely since the pandemic. You know, a lot of people who were sick of being in quarantine in LA and California and in, in New York, they came out here and they're all remote workers. So now they can live wherever they want. It's crazy. That's also another reason why I'm like, do I really want to stay here? Is this shit going to keep getting worse? Is it going to just be like homeless camps and like fucking $5,000 for like a one bedroom? I like, I already did that shit living in New Jersey. I don't need to be living that again. I'd rather fucking go somewhere else. No paid family leave. Unemployment is terrible. That's the problem with the red states. You know, you come here for the low taxes and the freedom, but God forbid that you are not wealthy because this shit is trash. What states do you like to move to? I live in NYC. It's so expensive. I don't want to move. So I grew up in Jersey, y'all. I don't know if you knew this, but I was born and raised in New Jersey. I lived there until 2018. So I came out to Florida because I'm like, if I have to pick anywhere, I want to be near the beach and the water and live my life. But I actually, I really want to live in Puerto Rico. Like, that's the fucking goal. I feel more myself when I'm in Puerto Rico. I feel very Puerto Rican when I'm in Puerto Rico. Whereas in America, I feel like an intruder. I feel like I'm a guest here. And I think, I suspect there's a lot of 
people of color who feel like like a guest. Like I'm just here for the meantime, but I really just want to be out here with my peeps. So I grew up in Elizabeth, right outside of Newark, Newark Airport, Newark Liberty International, the worst fucking airport in the country. Oh, when is my book coming out? Okay. My book is coming out in 2024. So yes, this book process takes forever, y'all. I got my book deal in May. I have to write my book. It's due. The manuscript is due May 2023. And then we go back and forth editing, doing all that shit, doing the cover, figure out the marketing plan. And then it should be coming out first quarter of 2024. So this shit takes forever. <laughs> this is why some people self-publish. But I always knew when I wanted to write a book that I wanted to do with the traditional route because it's like... This shit is so unheard of for Latinas to be published fucking authors by like major publishing houses that I'm like, if I'm going to do this shit, I'm doing it right. I'm doing it like Good Morning America, Oprah's Book Club. Like we're doing all of that. Okay. We're not doing like the Amazon bullshit. Maybe later, but I'm like, I need to have a traditionally published book so that I can show Latinas that we can fucking publish personal finance books. And my publisher is the largest publishing house in the world. The self-publishing, I'm like, you know what? It might be easier to write the book, but getting yourself out there and being taken seriously as an author is difficult. How do you choose who you have on the podcast? So we have an application process, but I'm going to be 100% honest with you. My podcast guest 99.9% of the time is by invite because it's somebody that I personally have like been watching I'm inspired by you and I'm like, I need to talk to you. I'm not a big fan of like PR agencies that will just like pitch me a guest because like, I'm like, I don't fucking know you. How do I know you're going to be, you know, an interesting guest if I don't know anything about you? So I like to vet and find and scout and scope who comes on the podcast because not everybody's legit. Some people just want to be on a podcast so they can come and promote their bullshit. But it's like, I want to be personally inspired by you before we do an episode together. And so most of the time it's like, it's by invite only. I do have an application process that I will look at, you know, from time to time if we're looking for new guests, but most of the time I'm like, I'm going to find you. I'm going to scout you out. You know, that's how you maintain the quality of your show because for somebody who now has a platform of my size, for me to just be out here letting anybody just do the thing and me not be able to guarantee like the quality of the product, I'm like, no. Anything that I put my name on has to be 100%. And that comes with my guests too. Okay, so last couple of announcements. So first and foremost, like I mentioned, I'm doing an investing workshop. If you've been wanting to learn about investing and you've been wanting to learn it for me, go and register. It is in the link in my bio now. Yes, I do do one-on-one and DM me so I can send you the link. It's also in the link in my bio, but go ahead and uh, DM me and I'll send you the link for one-on-one. And if you haven't already done so, and you love this platform, please do me a favor. Can you please go and leave a review on iTunes of the podcast? That's the best way you can help us continue to grow, okay? Because this podcast is so legit. It's so good. Like, I'm so fucking proud of this podcast. It is changing lives. It is getting attention, but it deserves even more publicity and press. Share that shit with your friends and family. Tell them, look, I'm tired of you fucking being on the struggle bus with money. I need you to go and listen to this podcast. And then when you realize how fucking great it is, so please go leave a review on the podcast. I would so appreciate you. And share, share this platform with people. Tell people that you're learning about Dinero here. Yes, you can absolutely review on Spotify, for sure. Share this shit, okay? Because I know damn well I didn't learn shit about money and most of us didn't 
And now that these tools exist, we have an obligation not to just learn for our own personal benefit, but to share because the grassroots movement is built individually and collectively. Okay. So go and put your friends and family on this free game. Thank you so much for your support. I am so fucking lucky that I get to do this for a living and it all happens because of you. So hope you guys have a great rest of your night. Cheers to the first million in business. Now let's see how long it takes to get to number two. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.